your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line, which I will pull up. A whole bunch of things are happening right at the last second, including a third COVID-19 death in Lacrosse County that just kind of showed up on the the Cooley COVID-19 collaborative website. Um, made a call over there just a little bit ago. Got the voicemail because, you know, 445, not going to be open. Uh, if you go to the Lacrosse County Department Health page, Health Lacrosse County Health Department Health page, uh, there's nothing on there about a COVID-19 death. So, I mean, it's not really going to affect anyone, right? But usually they, they post that. Um, but it does show up on the COVID website. Nothing else is updated on that website. Um, so I'm not sure. I feel like I looked at that yesterday and there was two, but now there's three. So depending on what time I looked at it. Um, 47 cases. So the, these are all yesterday's numbers, except that and that death probably happened yesterday as well. So, But I don't see any updates. Um, be the third, second death this month from COVID-19 and third overall. The other death happened September 3rd and the first death ever in the Cross County happened in mid-July. I think July 17th, somewhere around there. The first two were both men in their 70s. And we don't know about this one. 608-785-7914. Coming up in a couple of minutes. Lacrosse fire chief? No, we're not going to have the fire chief. He had got pulled away from uh, being able to come on today, but Pat Cran's going to come on with the fire department. And he is the community risk educator. And that sounds super boring. I know. Last time Pat Cran came on, though, it was right at the right in right around springtime. And we, we talked about, we really had some fun. We talked about, of all things to have fun about, was just fire pit safety and, and, and lacrosse, the city of lacrosse, lacrosse's ability to have fire pits in their yards or wherever, you know. And uh, it was kind of a fun conversation for as mundane as that sounds, but like he's the safety coordinator, right? So, but we got to give him a hard time about, about you know, the, the basic thing. Like, yeah, we're, we're, you're going to have fire pits or you can't have fire pits. I can't, honestly, I can't even remember if city residents can have fire pits. And there was like a discrepancy there between, you know, the county and then the city and the DNR kind of regulates some of that too. Uh, we could ask him again, but <laughs> um, we're also going to talk to him about, you know, if you remember earlier this month, the lacrosse police department, talked about uh, fentanyl arrests and fentanyl deaths. I think there were, in a week, eight fentanyl overdoses, and five of those people died. I believe that that was the stat. And the, the fire department is, you know, one of the first people to get out on those calls, those drug overdose calls. So I'm going to talk to Pat about that, just, you know, what happens on these calls? What is we, we, we see Pulp Fiction, right? Like we watch Pulp Fiction and they're like, oh, that must be what happened. So, well, I, well, let's, let's get a, let's get a fire, 
a person in the, that that knows what exactly goes down on these calls on and and let's let's ask him about it although you know pulp fiction does a pretty good job i think of of how uh how a drug overdose goes down and then you got to find the adrenaline shot right like that's what what happens no they use narcan and i think it's a nasal spray even and you know beyond that i don't know because i'm not big on my uh my fentanyl drug overdose situations uh aside from you know stats that happen what what actually happens we can find out we'll ask him about that uh covid a little bit about covid and oktoberfest was supposed to start is it supposed to start tonight or today i'm not big on oktoberfest but i believe i think that it goes down tonight would have been like the first thing no or would have been it would have been today when it, would they tap the golden keg no they do that tomorrow they would have done that tomorrow and we were doing uh we, we handed out golden cans i know dave and grant walked by here right after the show i was like oh dave carney wkty he's in here in the afternoon uh, Dave gets gets his day started at three thirty in the morning to get ready for his show from six to nine a.m. on WKTY, and uh, I'm like, "Oh, Dave's here!" So, and they walk by as I'm wrapping up the sh- or no, I was getting started with the show. But what they, what they were doing, I later find out on social media is Grant and Dave were delivering golden beer cans, and I would be a big part of that, drinking those golden beer cans if I wasn't allergic to beer and it didn't make me choke, and my throat seize up and then I die. So. <laughs> Not a big beer drinker. Anyway, 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. If you want to text in, we're going to bring Pat Cran on here in just a bit. Let's get to Brad doing the news. And we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Pat Cran, I'm saying your name wrong, Pat, as I heard your voicemail too. Can you just say your name? <laughs> Pat Corrin. Corrin, there we go. Okay, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, no pa- worries. Pat Corrin, Corrin, Corrin is uh, with the Lacrosse Fire Department. He is the now. I had it wrote down. It's it's di- it's buried in my text here. He is the community risk educator with the Lacrosse Fire Department. That sounds. Uh, is that just like a nine to five job, Pat? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I am on the civilian side of the fire department, so I've I've. Uh, background in, in teaching and, and EMS work and basically um, one of the one of my tasks is just I'm the department's public educator and so we look at risks within the community and, and do what we can to try to mitigate or prevent those to, to make the city as safe as we can. Now so you don't get to drive the trucks either then get to take them for uh... I don't I, I don't get to drive the truck no no <laughs> I work a lot I, I work closely with with uh fine crews that, that drive the trucks but no I, i'm not out there driving the trucks every day yeah because i was i was talking to, i forgot who i was talking to last week about that a little bit uh with the fire department and they didn't get that i gotta bring one that what you guys call an engineer and then we can just talk about what it's like driving the trucks down cast street because i imagine they complain about that a lot right I've, i have heard that yep you are um, correct a couple of things that that we do want to talk about so uh COVID within the fire department. Uh, I brought up uh, fire pit safety because the, the last time we talked was, I believe, in the spring, and you just talk, talked about, you know, the the city's ability. You, oh, I remember now. It's all coming back. We, you have to get a fire permit. You have to get a permit to have a, 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 a fire pit in La Crosse. That was, that's what that, was that's what that conversation was about. 
That's right. Yeah, the recreational, the, the basically the recreational burn permits that that we have. Yeah, for backyard fire pits. You're uh, correct. And earlier this month, we had a story. Uh, it was more. Uh, it came from the Lacrosse Police Department, but you know, this is something that affects you guys. And, and uh, the gist of the the story, if you want to just break down the numbers, there's there were five, eight. No, what was it? Seven, uh, seven fentanyl overdoses in a week uh, earlier this month. Uh, five of those people mm-hmm. died. Uh, you know, obviously drug overdoses, drugs, it's, it's a big problem. I don't know if it's a big problem here as compared to other places, but it is a problem. And when people get, when, when the call comes in that there's a, you know, does a call come in like, Hey, somebody's overdosing on drugs or uh, can you describe what the, the, the process that happens? I don't even know if the call comes in like that. Hey, my friend's overdosing. I don't, does that what happens you think on those 911 calls? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be really a variety of situations, but oftentimes it's just that, that someone who's with someone who's who's overdosing, they'll call 911, and then it'll be routed through dispatch, and, um, you know, our crews, our nurse crew, and then and the police will be dispatched to that call. Um, oftentimes, um, oftentimes it might come in, it might come in differently, like a, a passerby might see someone who they're concerned about, or, or someone on the street, something along those lines, but... Yeah, usually uh, calls are initiated by someone who is on scene and and sees the person overdosing or, or knows that a person is overdosing. Yeah, because they that the idea there is you know if I'm doing drugs with somebody else and my friend starts ODing and we're like, well, we're doing something illegal. So, but I think there are laws there that that don't prosecute people for calling nine one one on a drug overdose. Um, all right, so you yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I can't, you know, the legality aspect of it, I, I certainly don't know. And that's, you know, truth be told, the, the concern with, with our crews, with the fire department um, crews, when we respond to those calls is, is the patient. You know, we, um, the, the focus is really just getting getting Narcan on board as, as fast as possible if it's a drug that, that reversal agent is indicated on. And oftentimes with fentanyl or with fentanyl, Narcan is the drug that, that the crews would be administering to try to reverse that overdose. Yeah, and have you had any? You you've probably had it. Have you had any first contact experience with that, or is this just the like uh, the the other like EMS guys are doing that with the department? No, no. I mean, absolutely. So my years in another life before uh, before I was in this role in lacrosse, I was a paramedic on the West Coast, and um, this was sort of in the in the heyday of the prescription opioid opioid crisis. So about ten fifteen years ago, it's interesting now the way that the crisis has sort of turned from. Uh, Initially, the overprescription and dependency as coming about as a result of overprescriptions, um, people were overdosing from prescription drugs. Where now it seems to be more of the illicit, illicit street drugs, like you see with that illicit fentanyl. But yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty remarkable scene when when you do when you do push Narcan and, and get someone back, and um, it's awesome to see that. But it's also it's at the same time it's pretty unfortunate that that's the situation that someone's someone's in personally. You know. Has Narcan changed since you were doing that 10 to 15 years ago to, to now? Is there a difference in I, I, not, not just like potency or effectiveness, but like how it's administered, anything like that? Yeah, there has been a few changes. So initially when it, when it came out, um, it was a drug that was you would either give it to someone in their muscle, what's called intramuscular, or you could give it IV. But the problem with giving it an IV is you have to establish an IV. Um, and then uh, they came out with this really cool thing called an atomizer, and that's really how it's mostly given now. And basically what it is is it's, it's the, this small device, um, this atomizing device that goes on top of the drug, and you push it up someone's nose, and then you plunge the drug through that atomizer, and it basically just creates this fine mist, and it crosses the blood-brain barrier, and it gets into their system, and it, it does its job to reverse the overdose. 
And did you get to, did you have to use that too? Did you kind of tran- transition yep. from from all of that? And yeah, what so yeah. so you get there and does the person is the person like lifeless? I, I before you came on I made the joke that the you know, our experience with drug overdoses is, is watching things like Pulp Fiction and, and you know, yeah, uh, I can't terrible, remember the guy. The, the adrenaline, medicine, by the way. The, you would never, you'd never do that in real life, the, Pulp Fiction. The adrenaline <laughs> shot to the heart, you never do that? What? Come on. No, you know, absolutely not. You know, maybe maybe a, a, an ER physician might do something similar to that for a procedure or, or you know, a highly trained physician. But he'd, uh, if she wasn't already uh, ODing in that movie, he just killed her. He did a good job killing her in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I see that. I feel like I see that in a lot of movies. We're doing adrenaline shots to get people going again. Yeah, and that's what's funny, you know, is because, you know, and we don't need to get too much into the weeds of the physiology here, <laughs> the way NAR can't work, but it's, it's really a, a respiratory agent. So it, it, it basically suppresses your respiratory drive. And ultimately, people, when they succumb to an overdose, they just stop breathing. And uh, so what, what Narcan will do is it'll bump, basically bump the, the opioids off those cells and, and it'll allow someone to start breathing again. But if someone's really deep into an overdose or they've taken a really, really high amount of, of opioids, and that's why this, this illicit fentanyl that's going around is so scary is because it is such a potent drug that oftentimes they, uh, Narcan won't work on them just because they have so much drug in their system and their cells are so flooded with opioids that, that Narcan doesn't have the ability to bump the drug off. Yeah, and fentanyl isn't I, I can't tell you off the top of my head, but it's like thousands of times more potent than than whatever any other drug or something like that. It's ridiculous. It is, yeah. I mean, clinically, so when it's given, you know, say on the ambulance or in the ED for you know for pain for analgesia, it's it's given in what's called micrograms, um, and so that's you know that's in thousands of a gram. Where if you look at uh, at morphine or some of those other drugs, those are, are given in gram dosages or milligram dosages, excuse me. So quite a bit, quite a bit more potent. It's, you know, they say, I think the CDC says it's about a hundred times more potent than morphine and then much yep. more potent than, than heroin. Yep. I just fact checked myself because thousands sounded like a lot to me. Yeah. It says, uh, <laughs> uh, the powerful synthetic opioid analgesic is 50 to a hundred times more potent than morphine. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Drugs, not my, not my thing. Drugs, just knowing, uh, <laughs> having all the facts. Well, that's that's good. I guess if there's something not to be your thing, it's probably drugs. It's probably something you don't want being your thing. Yeah, not anymore. I got uh, even the <laughs> even the even the marijuana that just made me hungry, and then I decided, you know what? I'm just eating stuff that I don't need to eat anymore, and I'm gonna stop. I stopped doing that probably 20 years ago. Um, all right. So, right. <laughs> uh, a couple other things. You, you Oktoberfest would have started today. Um, and I know this is more probably more for the police because they're obviously going to be out and about trying to under normal conditions out and about and just, you know, keeping an eye on things. But do you guys ramp up uh, on call readiness for the fire department, too? Because stuff like that's going to happen. Like people maybe be doing drugs or at least maybe drinking a lot more and where you guys would have to be on the ready. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, fortunately, with, with, the, with the staffing, with the crews, you know, normally the staffing rates are pretty strong and. Um, I think the staffing levels would probably be pretty consistent to what they would be, um, you know, uh, another day of the week or, you know, another time of the year um, with with uh, with actual number of personnel on shift. But we definitely see more calls for service during Oktoberfest. And a lot of those are just the calls you're alluding to, you know, the, the drunk guy who passed out, who banged his hit his head or, you know, um, scuffles that end up with someone getting hurt and our crews going on that. But, yeah, we definitely see an increase in calls for service during during Oktoberfest. How many 
how many crews do you know off the top of your head? How many crews you have like normally, and do, does it ramp up? Do, do you, does that change a little bit? Yeah, I would have to. I would have to look, but I think normally we have. I think there's about twenty four ish, right around twenty four, twenty five guys on shift, uh, men and women on shift at a time, and then you break that out amongst the four stations. Um, and so that's, and then you know, there's there's crews responding from different apparatus uh, depending on the calls. But um, yeah, it's about twenty four, twenty five. Uh, personnel on shift at a time throughout the city. All right. We're speaking with Pat Corrin. He's the community risk educator with the Lacrosse Fire Department. Ken Gilliam uh, s- stood us up today, uh, and he pawned, pawned the talk off to you. Uh, you, you. And you've been on. We had a lot of fun in the spring uh, just talking. I, I did want to talk with Gilliam because, you know, we and I don't want to get in too deep into it, but, but Rob Abraham is coming on tomorrow with the uh, – he's the assistant chief with the, the police department, obviously. And – um, last time Ken and Rob were on kind of close together too, we had talked about this, this, uh, Campbell police arrest and in part of the arrest, they, they, they took one of these flamethrowers, what I was calling a flamethrower and Ken, uh, the fire chief Gilliam, he, he kind of went uh, with, this was a couple of show process. So he went to, uh, I think he went and checked out uh, either online or at Blaine's farm and fleet in general, uh, down in, uh, in, uh, in Alaska, the, uh, the flamethrower that he went and checked out though was, uh, one of these propane things, I think you just, it, you, it's almost like a sprayer, only it's obviously fire is coming out. And then when I, mm-hmm. when I kind of looked into it, the, uh, the, the Campbell police department confiscated one of these Elon Musk flamethrowers. Uh, you guys, you guys haven't been able to get over there to Campbell to play with that thing, huh? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I may not be the person to ask on the department for that, but yeah, no, I haven't heard of anyone. I haven't heard of anyone getting their hands on it yet. No. I feel like as you, as a community risk educator, this is your title. This you need to know right? everything yeah. there is to know about whether or not I can take a flamethrower and 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 flamethrow my driveway come December when it snows out. Well, hey, man, I tell you, the one that Chief Gillen is referring to at, at Farm and Fleet, those propane propane torches. I've I've seen those before, and they they throw out a pretty heavy flame. They're I think they're mostly used for roofing. I think a lot of roofers use them for the tar. Um, but yeah, there's a pretty good flame that comes out of those. So that though, this Elon Musk one, if it's any bigger than that, man, I don't, I don't want that in the hands. Well, the That's Elon scary. Musk one is like, it looks like a gu- It looks like kind of like a rifle, almost like a kid's toy. If you had like a futuristic looking gun and I, I, sure. you know, there's, you can go and YouTube videos of this thing and, and, and see what it does. But, um, yeah, I feel like if you were just driving down as the, uh, you know, fire department's community risk educator and somebody's <laughs> shooting a flame in their driveway trying to blow out either. Do, Gilliam was talking about using it as weed control, and that seems a little crazy to me just as an everyday person just lighting their yard on fire. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if it's if it's got Elon's name on it, you know, he's going all out. You know, it's not going to be any small beans, you know, so yeah, I'm sure it's it's the real deal. Yeah, I I think you know with the with the title that you have, maybe come December we make a we make a call back to you and just find out whether or not you did your homework on on flamethrower sure. safety. Um, all right, all right so I we got a break for news. I did want to talk about what you're doing with uh, is it the Lacrosse School District or all the schools in the area? Yeah, the the Lacrosse School District with okay. Fire Prevention Week. Yeah. Okay, I want I want to talk about that. Can you come back after the break and and can we break that down a little bit? Absolutely. I'll just stay on the line. All right. We'll be back after this. Scott's comment coming up, then the news, and and we'll be back with Pat Corn from the Lacrosse Fire Department. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 
785-7914 is the talk and text line. Pat Corrin, the community risk educator with the Lacrosse Fire Department, is on with us. You know, Pat, it really doesn't keep people on the radio when I say community risk. You need a cooler name, I think. Then even the kids. I know. It's- yeah, it's definitely not the most glamorous thing, you know, but you know, I'm a pretty boring guy. So. <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. But even the, you know, <laughs> even the students, you know, if, if hey, uh, Pat Corrin with the fire department, the community risk educator is going to be speaking today at an assembly and the kids are going to be like, Pat, community risk. You know, you be you got to be like the the fire. So I don't know. I didn't think about it too much before I before I came back on. We could come up with like yeah. a, a really glamorous name where you when you guys go to and when we can go back into the schools again where you're like whoa this guy is what you know and then they'll they'll definitely pay a little bit more attention to you um but that brings up the the idea that virtual safety campaign uh is that i wrote that down did i say that right no yeah i I mean you're pretty close you're right there man fire fire prevention week okay it's fire prevention week october 4th through 10th uh, October 5th yep. was when the lacrosse school district was going to be coming back into school. We talked to superintendent Aaron Engel earlier this week. He pretty much said that's not going to happen. The case counts like over a hundred right now. It needs to be at like 24 a day. Um, and I think the case count, if you guys notice tomorrow, the case count should drop pretty significantly because last week, Friday, we had over 200 cases in a day. So you're going to see the case count go from, I think it's right around 100, might even be right under 100. It might, it, it'll probably drop. I, I'm not great at math off the top of my head, but it'll probably drop pretty significantly. Um, so maybe maybe you guys are able to, I don't know, would you guys be able to go into the school if if, if the, the kids were in class again, or are you just totally yeah, set on this no, virtual? I, yeah, even, I mean, even if the kids were in session, just, just with, you know, the, the social distancing policies and just, you know, um, the potential for exposure and things along those lines. We, we made the decision as a department several months back with just the uncertainty that what's going to happen with COVID in the schools that all the messaging that we would normally do during fire prevention week, which is we, we basically go to every classroom, um, you know, pre-K through grade five, fifth grade here in La Crosse, uh, uh, public and private schools. We have crews um, educate every, every classroom, every student in the city and something we're, we're really proud of. And so, we said, how are we, how are we going to continue this education in these times? Because truth be told, a lot of departments just, they just sort of hung it up and they said, you know, like there's stuff online or so uh, we reached out to WKBT News 8 and, and asked if they would be interested in filming some videos for us. And then the crews came in, a lot of them on their personal time and, and all the all the content and information that we would be given delivered to the students face to face. We created videos for it and then we put it up on our YouTube page and it's uh, we feel pretty pretty happy with the project. A couple of the some of the some of the guys in the department are, are pretty rad musicians, good good singer and drummer and, and um, bass player, and, and they got together and they jammed out four songs, four fire safety songs that we have up on our YouTube page as well. So we're pretty we think it's a pretty cool project, and we think the students and the teachers hopefully will get something out of it. Uh, there's already a band called Firehouse. I think it was like an '80s hair band. Uh, I, rem- I oh, remember. Nice. A, I remember listening to it. Uh, I'm trying to find some songs, but uh, you got you got your own band there at the, within the fire department. Yeah, huh? yeah. These, I mean, they're and they're good, man. They they played some, you know, some just jingles that you know were that were basically about smoke alarms, smoke detectors, and you know how how to get out properly in your house if you have a fire, things like that. Stop, drop, and roll. Um, stuff that's catered more towards the younger school kids, but um, yeah, you can if you go to our YouTube page. Um, we'll we're actually just putting the finishing touches on it now, and and w- things will be ready for fire prevention week. And 
I'll get you the link so you can take a look at it. But yeah, they'll be they'll be up on our YouTube page, and, and the kids will get to see that. This is this is firehouse when I look into your eyes, Pat. Oh, jam! <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's yeah. I would say it's not Taking awesome. I would say it's not <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I can't. I have the CD somewhere, and I can't believe I bought it. And I look at the song list. It's it's a uh, very sappy love songs that I want no part of listening to at this point in my life. Maybe along the lines of some like White Snake. Or <laughs> yeah, right. Rats, like, we did. So, yeah, you guys stuff. probably play a little bit better music than. Not that they're not playing good music, but it, it, the, the sappy love songs, I'm I'm over it. Um, sure. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, you guys are. Do, what do you do when you're in the classroom, or even when you're doing these videos? Okay, I'll give you a couple ideas. Get an Elon Musk flamethrower. The kids will immediately be like, <laughs> and then maybe shoot it at City Hall or something that the. Shoot it at the Blue Baby because the kids know that Blue Baby is in lacrosse and be like, holy sure. cow, the fire department's shooting flames at the Blue Baby. Um, that would get their attention. Um, last week when I talked to, uh, and I still, I should have looked up his name. I talked to you about just maybe maybe take a video of you guys taking the, the truck down the road or doing an obstacle course with what the new fire truck that you got or maybe one of the other trucks. Uh, I def- definitely kids would be like, whoa, that's awesome. I think that would be a good attention gators. But you're probably – did you do anything besides having the, the band play? Did you do anything that gets kids' attention? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff, the, it's certainly not as exciting as, as flamethrowing the blue baby. <laughs> um, but all <laughs> – all the all the content that we did is it's really content that's catered for uh, in curriculum that's catered for specific grades. So, um, you know, the younger grades we talk about um, what happens when the smoke alarm goes off and keeping smoke alarms in your house and just sort of some of the more basic stuff. And then as we get a little bit older and kids get a little bit more responsibility, we talk about things like safe cooking and and things like that when they're helping their parents out more. And then um, the oldest grade, the, the fifth graders, we talk about sort of like risk and consequence and, and um, the, the, what could potentially happen if kids play with fire. And that's been one of the, the most effective um, outreach mechanisms we've had because we've seen like an 80% reduction in, in what's called youth fire setting, which is basically kids playing with fire and then, and then starting their house on fire or something like that. You know, we've seen an 80, 80% reduction in that in, in the city in the last 10 years. So. We really cater the, the messaging to the grade. And, uh, yeah, we just filmed it. And then, um, yeah, like I said, we, we had the, the guys jam out and, and play a few songs, too. I think I found it. <laughs> so this, I'm watching the YouTube video right now. You guys are out in front of the fire department playing. It looks a little warm. You guys look a little warm there. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then something that you're gonna you're gonna kind of promote come October fourth, huh? For that week. Absolutely. Yeah, we you know we worked with the, all the partners at the school district, and you know I think every year they look forward to having the crews come in, and and I I think some of them maybe just resign themselves to the fact that they we wouldn't be able to do it this year just because of COVID. So we reached out with 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 our plan, and they were really receptive to it. So. We delivered all the physical materials to them, you know, the, the worksheets and the coloring books and a lot of the stuff that they'll be able to do, the, uh, more of the, like, the paper stuff, the hands-on stuff. Uh, we delivered that already, and then, um, you know, once Fire Prevention Week gets a little bit closer, we'll send them the videos so they can watch the videos in the class. Or, you know, if they're doing it virtually, the kids can watch the, the videos at home. Yeah, I imagine you have to mail, do you just send the, the school district or each school, here's here's the th- stuff, or maybe you have them print it off, and because and the, they got to get it to the students, because all the students are at home. Yeah, so a lot of, a few schools are doing differently. I think some schools are sending out mailers. I think some, some schools have this, the kids go in and pick stuff up, but 
but normally all the materials that we provide for fire prevention week and actually what we talked about last time I was on with the with the uh, recreational pits that 20 bucks to have a fire in your backyard those fees actually are used to those the, the fees that we charge for those pits those that's the money that we use to buy our all our prevention and outreach materials so it's cyclical, you know what I'm saying? It comes back around. It helps kids be fire safe. Yeah, so people shouldn't be afraid to go get a fire pit permit because it's going right back to the kids, essentially. Exactly. You're exactly right. Uh, we're talking with Pat Corrin. He's a community risk educator at the La Crosse Fire Department. Okay, last thing I want to talk about, in, and I heard this, I think that when Gilliam was on a couple, uh, about a month ago, in, you know, eventually I write a story, it goes on the website, and some people were posting, hey, fire department, they got a bunch of cases of COVID, and you're kind of wondering about that. And I honestly, I didn't do my due diligence just to ask him, because every other time I, I had asked him if anyone in the department had come up, had contracted COVID-19. Um, how many How many people, you, you had a couple of, uh, at least one, right? Like, can you just talk about what happens when when that person contracts COVID-19 and, uh, you know, you guys are running in crews, so I don't know, what, what's the protocol there? Yeah, and so I, I, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I, I think you're right. I think the numbers are really low. And, you know, Chief Gillian would, would be better to, to, to speak on this than me, but, you know, a lot of it is similar in terms of, like, just contact tracing and, and figuring out where it came from. And then once we do get that positive confirmation, just distancing the crews themselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it just goes back to, you know, the guys wearing their PPE and, 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 and following orders with wearing masks around, you know, the crews are being really good with guys are, you know, they're wearing their crews in the state they're wearing the masks in the station and they're, they're doing everything they can to keep themselves safe. So hats off to them for that, for sure. Yeah. The way you guys run, you do 24 hour shifts and you think about like when I'm at home, I'm not wearing a mask as I'm at home. And uh, with, with uh, you, you, the firemen, they're, when they're in the, the firehouse or whatever, fire department, they're, they're in there the whole day. And it's kind of like their second home, I would imagine. But they have to wear a mask the whole time. So that's got to be kind of annoying. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's you just hit the nail on the head there. You know, that's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of I think there's a misunderstanding out there that they're they're around playing video games. You know, when they're not running calls, they're they're training their butts off and they're they're reading protocols and and doing things they can to stay sharp. And then on top of it, they're wearing a mask the whole time too, you know? So, um, yeah, the guys are, are definitely staying busy and they're doing what they can to keep themselves safe. I think I'd be going face shield if I had to, I don't know. I don't know what's more comfortable. <laughs> Maybe my, my snowmobile helmet, something like that. Um, but yeah, the, the way the fire department is run too with, with under the pandemic is you, you guys have kind of separated everybody, right? There's like just, I don't know how many there are, but there's a crew of X and uh, how many, how many, you have different crews and you've kind of isolated them a little bit into each fire station. You probably even have uh, protocols for when, when one crew comes in and the other leaves, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're socially distanced as much as they can. Um, you know, there's, there's some things that are written into, into policy and even just some mandates that have come down from the mayor and tough stuff for other departments when you're you're working in close quarters. Like when they're doing patient contact and they're in close quarters, obviously they can't physically distance, you know. Um, but otherwise, yeah, there's there's rules in place that they do what they can to keep their distance. Now, Gilliam, is he's, he's said he's working out of a room somewhere in City Hall. I don't know if it's like in a little office or if it's like a boardroom or something. But have you been able to go in there and do you see like he's got his underwear up on a couch somewhere and it's just a, bags of <laughs> chips everywhere and, and he's just it's just a, a big mess or, or you probably haven't <laughs> no, been up man, there. No, man, he, he keeps a tight ship. He keeps a tight <laughs> ship. Yeah, he has, he, has, uh, he has an office out of City Hall now. I mean, he's got so much on the go, truth be told, we don't see him very often. I work out of City Hall as well. 
Um, but we don't see him very often because he's always he's always somewhere doing something, you know. But no, he he that guy he keeps the he keeps a pretty tight ship. Okay, he's not like me then. No. All right, Pat. Yeah. Hey, th- thanks a lot for for joining me and and putting up with uh, you know the nonsense along with the the serious talk there. Anytime, Rick. I, I enjoy it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. See you later. All right. That's Pat Corin. Corin. Pat Corin, uh, the community risk risk educator at the Lacrosse Fire Department. If you guys want to check out that interview, it'll be up on. The Wisdom app, the BIZM app. You can download that or wisdomnews.com. Just go under podcast. At about 15 minutes after the show, I throw those shows back up to, to rewatch or, or not rewatch, but to re listen to. Uh, the best way to do that, too. I mean, just hit play, put it in your pocket, and go walk your dog. That's how I'm listening. I, not that I'm listening to my own show. Sometimes I do just to see how badly I screwed up, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's how I listen to podcasts. I, I got a little mini speaker and put it in my pocket and go walk Millie. All right, we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Thanks a lot again to Pat Corn for for joining and putting up with some of the nonsense that I got to bring up to, just to have some fun, uh, such as renaming his title at the fire department from community risk educator to something more glamorous. Especially if you're going to go talk to students at the, you know, grade school, middle school, high school, you got to have something that, whoa, he's the what? He's the flame, the the burn specialist. I don't know. I, I I got nothing right now. I can't think of anything off the top of my head creatively at this minute. Uh, it's too much going on. Um, uh, and a sad note, there was a third COVID-19 death today in La Crosse County. I haven't seen anything at this point. I could refresh this this county health department page. Haven't you know the the first two times they they did post, hey you know, and it, it's pretty basic con- offering condolences and you know sad that somebody had died and um, but also like information like the age of the person. Maybe they don't know at this point. I'm not sure. This person doesn't have to be literally in Lacrosse County. This person is just from Lacrosse County, so. Uh, and also their Cooley COVID-19 collaborative page is reloading, reloading. Hasn't been updated since yesterday. I always thought that updated at 3.30, but not today. Maybe maybe with the, the death, they're working on something and can't update it at this point except for the death. And I'm not even sure if that showed up last night. Uh, just is, you, you would think that if that happens, press release, something like that post on the Facebook page. I don't know. doesn't seem all that hard. Vernon County did that earlier this week. I believe it was, yeah, Vernon County. On Monday, I believe, they had uh, posted a, their their first death in Vernon County. Um, on September, here's here's the post. On September 21st, Vernon County Health Department was notified of an individual who passed away from complications. First death in the county. The resident was a male in their 70s. Uh, who had been hospitalized, our team would like to express their deepest condolences. So pretty basic. Uh, a post, you know, that's what the Lacrosse County Health Department did the other two times, essentially. And I think maybe that's just standard. It sounds very similar to what the other posts were. Um, cases in, in Wisconsin, second most all time today, which, you know, cases kind of, I mean, the, the, all of that kind of gets, yeah, w- of course, we're going to have a lot of cases, but it's getting, it's getting ridiculous. We have 2,392 more cases, but 
if, on top of that, we had 76 more hospitalizations. We've never had more hospitalizations bef- except for early in March. There were 77 hospitalizations in in Lacrosse or not in Lacrosse in the state of Wisconsin. It was March 6th, and that was right when we started talking about the pandemic. It wasn't March 6th. Now I was looking at the wrong column. I have this all written down. So actually, this might be the most hospitalizations now that I look at. So many numbers to look at. Okay, where's hospitalized? There it is. All right. Yeah, March March 6th. Actually, we, you know, early on in March, there were a whole bunch of hospitalizations. There was 101. So now I got to update that. So there was 101 hospitalizations on March 4th. And on March 7th, there were 77. And then it kind of settled down a little bit in terms of hospitalization numbers. I mean, you get 50, 60, 20, 90, you know, it would just kind of fluctuate. That's why the Cross County Health Department and whatever the Cooley COVID Collaborative says, you know, we don't need to look at daily case counts as much as we need to look at at least the the past week's case counts. And with La Crosse County now averaging, whereas 102 cases as of yesterday's update, they haven't updated it today. And that update should drop significantly, even today's update. So if you go the last seven days, right? So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 110 cases we had last week, Thursday, I believe. Let me check the date. Yeah, last Thursday. So, I mean, today's today's count's going to take 110 cases off and add, I think the, the state said we had about 56 cases today, I believe. Um, 47 yesterday. I just want to get the number right. And Brad just said it on the news, I'm sure. Uh, I just... Sometimes I get these. Sometimes the website updates and then it updates again. 53 cases according to the state today. So we're going to drop, we're going to take 110 cases off from last week, Thursday, and add 53 to this Thursday, do the seven, the past seven days. So the average is going to drop, you know, quite a bit. And that average is actually going to drop a lot come tomorrow because last week, Friday, we had 254 cases of COVID 19 in La Crosse County, according to the state. So we're going to see the daily case count average drop pretty significantly. But it's funny how we move the goalposts on what's a lot of cases because 254 is obviously a lot for one county. Um, 100 is obviously a lot for one county. But now today we have, you know, yesterday 47, today 53. We could be like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, we're pretty good then. <laughs> we're not, actually. 53 is a ton of cases and in one county. Um, so so there's that. Uh, the The... UW lacrosse, you know, people want to blame college students for why this spread, and you can do that. But uh, their their testing site updated yesterday. I should refresh that page, but they do two different types of tests, and now it's updated today. But yesterday were PCR tests and antigen tests. So antigen, if you get a positive antigen antigen test, which I think can be administered faster, you can find out the results quicker. Uh, then they're going to go, okay, go get a PCR test because that's going to give you a, a better result, a more accurate result. So uh, 17 positive PCR tests yesterday, nine more positive today. Um, a week ago, that was, you know, in the in the 20s to 50s in at UW-Lacrosse, just UW-Lacrosse people. So we're seeing this thing, you know, with the shelter in place when we're locking students in their dorms, not literally, but you know, they're, they're on shelter in place. They're not supposed to go out. doesn't seem to be happening all that often. It does, I don't know how, how, you know, there's, there seems to be a, a little bit of a miscommunication there with students and, and what a shelter in place is, but uh, obviously the numbers have come down. So it's helped a little bit, at least, you know, cut the numbers by 
maybe a half or even a third, depending on what day you want to look at. So, um, other story, another story on wisdomnews.com that seems to be pretty interesting. And I was watching the video and it's funny. You can just watch these videos and go, yeah, okay. I kind of understand where this kid's coming from. This Kyle Rittenhouse video, the, 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 the 17 year old that came to Illinois to protect property, right? Like why of all the things, uh, Kenosha shooter, the, the AP headline, Kenosha shooters defense portrays him as American Patriot, um, for coming here and, and, you know, killing protesters and claiming self-defense with some of those killings. A very similar situation, or somewhat, not very, somewhat similar situation happened in lacrosse. So while Kyle Rittenhouse is, if you want to watch the video, you'd be like, oh yeah, this, you know, it's from his legal team. It's from his lawyers. So you're obviously going to be swayed like, oh yeah, I I understand. This looks like a good kid. And he just, he was trying to protect himself. He was, you know, killing people, but those people were trying to get the gun from him. And what would have happened after they got the gun from him? I'm not really sure. You, You could probably make assumptions that they would have beat the living leap out of him or or worse uh but he did shoot somebody <laughs> trying to uh, i think he got a, like a bag of water or, or something thrown at him and therefore he gets to shoot people and also 17 year old in from illinois bringing you know an ar-15 or whatever kind of gun he had to to lacrosse or not to lacrosse to kenosha um to protect somebody's property it's just it's all really weird like what are we doing um, but you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about we talked about this in lacrosse, where a guy was letting air out of tires at Stony Creek because he thought those people were Antifa coming to burn down the churches, as Joe called in and said on the air. And then he people caught him doing that in the parking lot, chased him down, and tried to get you know tried to essentially make a citizen's arrest. And then a person ends up getting stabbed a bunch of times. So is the guy that was letting air out of the tires that where people are just trying to chase him down, does he have every right to stab people and in, in protecting himself or was he doing something illegal that that speaks of, you know, people trying to catch him while they're calling police and having police come arrest him, but like not letting him get away. I don't know. It's like it's a funny place we're in. All right, that's going to do it. We'll be back tomorrow with lacrosse assistant police chief Rob Abraham.